Let's begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. So Jesus was baptized. By the way, if you've been following the lectionary, this is the third time we've read about Jesus' baptism since uh, the church year started in Advent. I called my son. I said, why? That's the advantage of having a son who's a pastor. He said, well, Dad, they needed to stretch it out because if we did the temptation in the wilderness, it's only two verses long. So the point of today's sermon is not about the baptism. We've already covered that twice this church year. But after he was baptized, he was propelled into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights with the wild animals, otherwise known as teenagers. (laughs) See, now you got it. And... And he was tempted by the Holy Spirit. Now, this should tickle your spiritual antennae because we know about this from Matthew and Luke's gospel. Uh, Satan came and said, you must be really hungry if you're the son of God. Make some bread out of these stones. And then he said, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world if you worship me. And uh, he said, uh, if you jump off of the parapet of the temple, the angels will catch you. Prove that you're the son of God. And Jesus refused to do those three things and responded with the word of God. And it says that the devil left him for a time. See, that's the problem we as human beings have. We go through a, what I call in therapy, a bump in the road. And then we think there's never going to be any more bumps for the rest of our lives. Have you met folks like that? Oh, I'm so glad that's over. Now I've got smooth sailing for the rest of my life. And I'm sorry to tell you, There are bumps and potholes in the road from now until you go to walk the streets of gold. That's a fact. Now, the Bible doesn't say it that way, but I want to point out that Jesus was tempted, it says, for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, did he have the same temptation over and over and over? Because that would drive anybody crazy. Anybody work with five-year-olds? They just keep asking over and over and over. Or... Were there multiple temptations over the 40 days and 40 nights? So I I want to read to you two scriptures from the book of Hebrews that give us a little bit of insight into this. Hebrews 2.17 says this, For this reason, Jesus had to be made like them, that's us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because, here it is, he himself suffered when he was tempted. Jesus suffered when he was tempted. And he's able to be, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Our Savior had the same temptations that we do. Uh, Later on in Hebrews, the writer writes in uh, 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Imagine that. Whatever temptation we face, Jesus faced and overcame. So then I had to think about temptations, and I got to tell you, we are all tempted by different things. If there was a big plate of Reese's, Chocolate eggs. 
Raise your hand if you would be tempted. There we go. Hands down. If there was a big plate of McMillan's cream donuts, raise your hand. There you go, right? We are all tempted. Now, think about your temptations. Some of us are tempted by things we're supposed to do, and then we go find something else to fill the time. Temptations are things that we think we want, things that we think we need, things that we think will make us, and you can fill in the blank, more popular, thinner, happier, whatever. We, we think that temptations will make us satisfied or restored, or we think that they will make us part of the group. Do this, and then you'll be part of the, the cool kids group. And yet temptations... How can I put this? What tempts me might not tempt you, and what tempts you probably won't tempt me. But first, a little temptation clarification. Charles Stanley said that we misunderstand what temptations are, so he made a list. Misunderstandings regarding temptation. He says, temptation is not sin. I want you to hear that. Being tempted is not sin. We... Fall into temptation is a misunderstanding. No, we usually walk in with our eyes open. In fact, you've heard uh, or seen the church sign that says, lead us not into temptation. We can find it on our own. God is disappointed and displeased when we're tempted. No, God is displeased and disappointed when we respond to temptation. To be strongly tempted, he writes, means we are guilty as if we actually committed sin. Again, no, temptation is not sin. We overcome all temptation by separation from it. I don't know about you, but temptation can follow you around from place to place. And this misunderstanding, if I am spiritually mature, I will no longer be tempted. Well, we covered that already, didn't we? There are bumps in the road. I like the story of the woman who had a shopping addiction. She loved to buy new clothes. And her husband finally said, look, I cannot afford this anymore. Please stop. And she agreed. And for six weeks, she bought absolutely nothing other than the necessities. He comes home and she had on a new dress. He said, okay, how much was it? She said it was $350. He says, I thought you were overcoming the temptation. She said, I was, but I saw it in the store. I had to try it on. And the devil was there, and he said, you look really good in that dress. I said, get thee behind me, Satan. He says, oh, my, it looks as good from the back as it does from the front. (laughs) Temptations come in all sizes and to every one of us. Now, I once preached a sermon, and uh, you can find it on Spotify, called It's Not the Cookie's Fault. I don't know about you, but um, my dealer is out front of the diner, and she has a cute little red or green beret on and a little sash with badges, and she sells peanut butter cookies. I respond well to peanut butter cookies. Not quite as a McMillan's donut, but close. It's not the cookie's fault. The cookie is the temptation. It's how we respond. So often we blame succumbing uh, on the source of our temptation and not on our poor choice or weakness. So three quick thoughts to get us started. Overcoming or resisting temptation 
can make us spiritually stronger or it can make us prideful. Actually, overcoming temptation can produce more sin. I want you to think about that. Giving into temptation is sin, but it doesn't define you for eternity. I, I've often said, and I think I said this at Bible study, that I think they should just rename all churches Sinners Anonymous. <laughs> right? Hi, my name's Doc, and I'm a sinner. And then you all say, hi, Doc, and we go to the next person. We are all here for the same reason. We are all sinful. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, each of our temptation might be different, but the sin and the mark of sin and the penalty of sin is the same. Giving in to temptation does not define you for the rest of time. God put a plan in place. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we forget, for, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't let falling into temptation define who you are. Another food analogy, I'm sorry, person's on a diet and they fall off of the diet wagon. And then what do they say? Well, now that I'm off, might as well continue, right? I'm just going to eat whatever I want for the next weekend or the next week. And then what happens? They feel guilty that they fell off the diet wagon. It doesn't define who you are. And according to scripture, there are really two tools that keep you from temptation. One is the word of God. And the other one is removing ourselves from the source of the temptation. Temptation, let's be honest, is like a persistent itch. It calls your name. Temptation, it niggles at you. I don't know if your grandmother used that word. My, my grandmother did. She would say, stop niggling. That meant I was constantly annoying her. I was very good at it, by the way. Uh, temptation rationalizes your convictions. Just once, or do I deserve this? And you can fill in the blank. In fact, on the back of the TGI Friday's menu, it says, let the rationalizing begin, because that's where the desserts are. <laughs> Temptation uh, makes giving... Sometimes I can't read my own handwriting, I'm sorry. Temptation makes giving in seem like the end. Um, I'm going to skip that part and cross it out for the next time I preach this sermon. There we go. It makes no sense. But I do have a great story for you. Do you remember the Dick Van Dyke show? Yeah. Dick Van Dyke, Mary Tyler Moore? They did a, a one. It was called The Curious Thing About Women. And uh, Mary Tyler Moore had the habit during the show of opening Dick's mail before he got home and reading it which was one of his pet peeves. So they have a long talk about being respectful and, and not opening, and they think the problem is solved until this large box is delivered for Dick Van Dyke, and it's right in the middle of the living room. Remember where he used to fall over the ottoman? It's right there in the middle. And Mary Tyler Moore says she's going to ignore it, and they, they watch her doing her chores and walking around the box, and she starts picking at the corner, trying to see what's in it. She's not going to open it. She opens it a little bit, and there's a handle. Well, she has to pull the handle. She pulls the handle, and Marianne remembers what happens. One of those self-inflating lifeboats <laughs> fills up and fills the whole living room. 
That's what temptation is like. Sometimes you give in, you pull the little handle, and now everybody knows that you've given in to your temptation. In the class I taught at Camden County College, I had the students read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, a wonderful book that encourages people to find their meaning for life. And he steals a quote from the philosopher Nietzsche. He says, you can endure any what if you have a why. Think about that. You can endure any what if you have a why. You need a purpose, a destination, a focus, a ministry. And if you're focused on that, the temptations should become less. Jesus was tempted. Jesus had a why. Jesus came to this earth knowing that at the end of his earthly days, he was going to die on a cross for all of us, for the redemption of the world. Jesus had a why, and the Bible says Jesus was tempted and did not sin. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but if I did and said, who is tempted, all of our hands should go up. And all of us have a why, but we have to find it. Now, I used to say at my last church, I say it as often as I can, my why is to go to heaven and take as many people with me as I can. That is my goal. I, I met with the pastor next door this morning, and we had a good time together, and he said, well, you know, what's it like over there? And I said, I'll tell you what I tell my mother. The gospel is preached every Sunday morning. Now, that makes my 81-year-old mother happy. It makes me happy, and I believe that it makes my heavenly father happy. If you have a why, you can endure any what. Now, how do you overcome that what? With the power of the Holy Spirit, with the knowledge of the word of God. Remember in Psalm 119, it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against God. And the third thing is, we know that if we should give in to temptation, it's not the end of the story. As I said earlier in the sermon, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess, and let's do it this way, when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins. I want you to think about temptation some, as, as, as picking something up on your way to your goal. I have a fable I found that fits this perfectly. There was a legend of a king who had a beautiful daughter, and she had many offers of marriage. Does not happen a lot in fairy tales? And she couldn't make up her mind. And she was a bit of a romantic, and she wanted a man who would love her more than anything else. And she devised a way to test all of her suitors. They were going to have a race through the kingdom. And the one who got to her first would be the one that loved her the most. Now, the king realized that that was not enough of a test. So he scattered the root of the race with gold coins and silver coins and gems and valuable items. And he announced at the beginning of the race that the runners could keep anything they could pick up. Now they had a decision to make, didn't they? Do I gather the riches or do I pursue my goal? Temptation versus your why. Well, you know what happened. The majority of the runners started picking up jewels and coins and valuable items. And the one who got to the princess first was the one who had picked nothing up. 
we are tempted, we have a why, but it's not the temptations you have, Billy Graham says, but the decisions you make about them. When anybody asks me what kind of therapy I do, I always say the same thing. We believe, and I do believe this, in cognitive therapy and in Christianity, that it's not life that makes you crazy. It's what you think about life that makes you crazy. It's not the temptation that makes you sinful. It's what you do with the temptation that can make you sinful. You need to determine your specific area of temptation, decide your why, your destination, and if need be, depart from your temptation. Temptation is like a trailhead. Now, I'm not a hiker, and you will hear me complain about hikes. Uh, Vicki is. And unwillingly, and, and she's grinning, unwillingly, I have climbed mountains with Vicki. Usually about halfway up, I say at least once, opera singers are not made to climb mountains. We did one where I had to scrabble over boulders. Big, they were the size of Volkswagens. And, and it said scrabbling, and I didn't even know what that was. And yes, I had to scrabble over the boulders, but I did meet her at the top. And there's pictures of us enjoying the view. And then she made the mistake of saying, was it worth it? <laughs> I love Vicky. It was worth it because I love Vicky. But no, I would not do it on my own. But every trail has a trailhead, a place where you start. And, and this trail of temptation has a trail to the right and a trail to the left. If we respond well to temptation and we we use the tools that God has provided and we resist, we can find forgiveness and grace. If we go the other way and we give in to temptation, then we could find guilt and shame, embarrassment and loss. It's really like a uh, three-legged stool. One leg is your why, one leg is the word of God, and the other leg is the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me finish with this. We are at greatest peril of succumbing to temptation when we're farthest from God. There's a reason that the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness without support of his disciples, without the community, where he was alone, where he was hungry, where he was in need. We need to stay in community to resist trans... Tra Why can't I say it? Temptation. We are at greatest peril of succumbing when we're farthest from God. Sometimes the simplest truths are the deepest. Amen.